inspired by a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Fans of the Force Podcast. I won't. Thanks for tuning in, Force fans. It's time for Fans of the Force Podcast. I am your scoundrel host, John Frederick, and with me are my co-pilots in this Falcon ride. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Finally back at it. How's it going? Missed you all. Adrian and Cat Ray, so glad to be reunited in the uh, in the podcast with you. Uh, we had a little sickness that delayed us a week. Cat, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thanks, guys. Me too. Let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot to talk about because it's been like three weeks. Yeah, so it's a bit of an get, understatement. Let's get started and dive right in. Do it. Um, so a couple quick bits of news before we dive into more of the exciting uh, up-to-date stuff. But the Oscar nominations came out uh, about three weeks ago now. And The Last Jedi <laughs> received four nominations for sound editing sound design, visual effects, and score, giving John Williams his 51st nomination. Wow. Is that all? Is that, yeah. Oh, you know, just 51. Yeah. Just 51 no big Oscars, deal. I mean, you know. <laughs> he probably didn't even wake up to take the call. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, honey, it's the Oscars again. Uh, tell them we'll call them back. <laughs> so I... Don't know if I know enough or seen enough movies to say if I think The Last Jedi will win any of those, but um, the Oscars air on the 4th of March, so we'll find out then. <laughs> um, along those lines, Carrie Fisher um, won a Grammy for the audiobook version of The Princess Diarist. Um Obviously, this is post-humously. I can't ever say that. Uh, Anyway. We know what you mean. She won a Grammy, which is awesome. (laughs) So, I I have a question about that, though. Is is that a usual thing? Like, just, like, spoken word, like, book type things win Grammys? Yeah, so there's actually a a category of, like, spoken word albums, which includes audiobooks. And I, you know, I think... Traditionally, it's by people who have basically written and then perform, quote unquote, their own work. So then it's kind of considered like a spoken word album or something. Crazy. I'm not, I'm not big into music. I can't <laughs> say. Well, and that's not even music. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so moving right along, uh, Marvel's adaption of The Last Jedi, so the, the graphic novel slash comics, mm-hmm. um, is going to come out in May and is going to be written by Gary Whitta and illustrated by Michael Walsh. And they say, quote, that the adaption will have added scenes and scenes told from other perspectives. Oh, wow. Cool. That sounds dope. So I believe it's supposed to be six issues. Um, that's what they've done for both the Force Awakens and Rogue One. So presumably this will be similar. Did you respect. did you read those, Kat? I did. I've read both the Force Awakens and Rogue One. So okay, you've seen 
obviously seen the movies. You've read both novelizations of the movies, and you've read the comics. What uh? Yes. What uh? What what are your thoughts on that? Like comics better than the novelization? Do they each enhance the movie in their own way? What's um? I would say in the case of TFA, um. Well, I thought the novelization was not very good. So, in to put it nicely, so to in terms of that, I think the comic was better um just from the storytelling perspective. I you know, I can't it's been a while now, so I can't I don't really think they changed too much. Mm-hmm. In The Force Awakens, it was pretty standard. Like, I mean, it I can't say it was amazing, but it was pretty standard for Rogue One. Um, I thought both the the novelization of the movie was good, and I enjoyed the comic a lot. So I think that those both helped enhance, you know, seeing the movie and that whole experience. So I'm hopeful that the same is true of the Last Jedi. Um. Which it sounds like it will be um Jason Fry, the author the the author who's writing the last Jedi novelization has been on Twitter kind of talking about some things that went into that because that book comes out in March March, I want to say eleventh, but I don't actually know if that's correct, so don't quote me on that. But, um, I'm gonna quote you on that. Quoting you on that. Yeah. Cat <laughs> <laughs> says so, March 11th. Just so no, you all know. Or well, maybe it's the sixth. Sorry, not too bad. It might be the sixth because <laughs> I think so you're already yeah, quoted. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm there. already <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, but the well, that's exciting stuff. Yeah. Now, I I I wonder if. I, it seems to me like at least for Phantom Menace, the novelization came out before the movie did or right when the movie did? Probably like way right back when in the, the movie day. did. Yeah. And, I think And I feel like they're like really like waiting this time around. They are. And they I don't are. remember and that I, ever happening before. Well, you no, read the Phantom Menace before you saw it, right, John? You know, my memory's so hazy. I feel like <laughs> it was spoiled one way or another. Well, the whether it was me reading help. it or the soundtrack or what, <laughs> but but I, but my memory, my recollection's just way too hazy at this point. Spoilers, no bullet. No, you're you're right, John. They are waiting like three months now in between because they did the same thing with the Force Awakens novelization. Not, I don't think, I feel like the Rogue One book came out earlier, but again, I could be misremembering. Definitely with TFA and now with The Last Jedi, though, because they want to avoid, I don't know, they're really, like, spoiler phobia. They they aren't releasing them quickly. And I also, I've heard some people speculate or seen some people speculate that perhaps it's because if they need to make like last minute tweaks, because often the authors are working from earlier versions mm-hmm. of the script. Yeah, true that. And so if there are final changes that are made that they need to like quick do mm-hmm. something, they don't want to have the book come out. And then have, and then of course, what happens is you've got people that start complaining. Well, it was in the book, 
you know, the novelization <laughs> of the movie, like the fact that um, in the TFA novelization, there's actually a short scene where Ray and Poe meet, but now we know that uh, Alan Dean Foster was working off an earlier version of the script, and that didn't happen in the movie, so they had them meet in The Last Jedi, so now that scene just doesn't mean anything from the book. So, um, <laughs> and you've got people complaining about that. So, well, I'd say that's a smarter approach. Anyway, then. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's cool. I don't usually go for the novelizations, but I'm kind of super duper curious about The Last Jedi. Just because yeah. reasons, <laughs> you know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I don't know how Jason Fry has written it, but I am definitely curious to see if we're able to get, like, inside Luke's head, um, you know, or maybe all of the characters. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what he's done. I'm looking forward to it also. I don't know if I will try to buy the $45 version that they're going to sell at Emerald City Comic Con right $45? before the book is actually, actually released. Yeah. Special, special Comic Con edition, but. Uh, special cover, an extra 30 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're a Star Wars we'll, fan. You'll consider we'll it. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll seriously. See. Depends I mean, on how I've, much numerous times in my life shelled out more money than I really should have just for Star Wars merch. That's true. I have to save my money to buy Padme Funkos if I can get my hands on them. There we go. (laughs) Padme Funkos. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, now, drum roll. We were all set to record last week. And then I got sick. Dun, 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 dun. Because what happened last week? We got the solo trailer. Finally. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I think when we travel to the future to watch a solo trailer, I think we went to the future of an alternate dimension where the original two directors weren't fired. And we saw a trailer for their version of the movie. I think Maybe. you're right. Because what we Maybe. saw. Because this yeah. time warp for sure. Mm. This trailer was badass. Yeah, yeah. There's some Cloverfield Paradox type stuff going on right now that was not in the original trailer that we saw. <laughs> this is much better. I'm glad we had both to compare. So just quick, uh, quick little note. So there's no inconsistency. We didn't lie. It's just an alternate future that we saw. Okay? There All right. Well, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys pretty pumped after the Super Bowl teaser? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, you bet. You bet. Just the Super Bowl teaser alone was enough to whet my appetite. Mm -hmm. And then when they said, more tomorrow, I was like, giddy! (laughs) Give it to me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. It seems to have changed a lot of people's mind, too, online, just based on... Some of the, hey, that wasn't so bad type of reactions I've been seeing and reading. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people have been buying into the negative hype um, that, you know, the directors were fired and uh, Alden Ehrenreich was was completely out of line and acting like Ace Ventura. And and it was just this really, you know, the ship has gone run aground and all the sky is falling stuff. But what we see here is a very, very well salvaged film. 
um, and in the very capable hands of one Mr. Ron Howard. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm trying to definitely go into this with an open mind and have no expectations because I think, I think a pe- people, what's going to happen is people do have a lot of expectations riding on this. And I think that's going to mm-hmm. color a lot of perception about this movie. And so I'm just trying to stay as like, you know, I think Ron Howard is going to give us a really good film. And if the trailer is anything to go by, I I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised. But I'm also trying to just like, this is not, you know, we need to let go of what we've seen before and be open to seeing something new and realize that it's not going to be the same as before. So like the- should we let the past die or not with this one? How do you mean? Well, I mean, in in terms of of seeing the past unfold before our eyes, which is the whole thing of, about this movie. No, we shouldn't let it die. We should <laughs> embrace the past here and and really watch and see, you know, the history of Han Solo and and how everything comes together. There's a lot of things we think we know, and. And there's a lot of things in the trailer itself that kind of confirm some of that stuff. Um, so I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I don't want the past to die. I want the past to be glorious. <laughs> I think I think I think in the sense of, you know, like obviously Han is such an iconic character and Harrison is such an iconic actor now, you know, to us these days that I think it's hard for a lot of people to kind of get over that. Absolutely. So in one sense, I do think we need to let the past die. I mean, as much as we all love Harrison, I think it's unfair to um, kind of put that on Alden Ehrenreich. Like, his job is not to impersonate Harrison Ford. His job is to be Han Solo. And I think what a lot of people are wanting or expecting is a Harrison Ford impersonation. Impersonation. And that's not. And so in, in terms of that, I think people do kind of need to let the past die because like, that's not what Alden Ehrenreich is supposed to be doing. He's not supposed to be Harrison Ford. He's supposed to be Han Solo. So, So I think that's going to be a stumbling block for a lot of people. Maybe not a lot of people. For some people. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's still and, the most negative fair, thing. It is a big job. I've seen yeah. so far from the trailer. Just people still hung up on the casting for Han himself. That and the Falcon not having the gap in its tooth, but mostly right. Han. <laughs> Which apparently wait, wait. we're going to get an explanation for. Yeah, you mean not how clean the Falcon is? It's a Tide right, commercial. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. I have to say, I was pretty darn shocked uh, at how white it is. I know, it's white. like, that thing used to be yeah. white? Wow. It's it's very Dang. sterile. Um, Looking like the, like the Enterprise there for a little bit. Really nice and yeah, polished. Yeah, very, very sterile looking. It's so it doesn't, clean. It doesn't look lived in at all. Um, much different from the Falcon that we know and love. That's obviously well lived in. <laughs> yeah, very well. But but it does look, you know, it looks like there are going to be some certain tidbits like Han 
does is in the Imperial Academy um, for some short period of time, right? Because um, both the teaser showed him interviewing for the Academy, and then in the full trailer, he says that he was kicked out for having a mind of his own, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of neat that they've they're still incorporating these EU elements into it, which I know. Some people may be happy about, and some people may complain about. Who knows? Yeah. I, don't know. I like that they kept that. I like yes, that they so, kept so do that. I. I'm really i'm 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 watching the trailer over and over as we are uh, are discussing it with the sound off, obviously. <laughs> and um, and the the more viewings that I get of the trailer, even without the sound the more stoked I am to see this film and to see the Falcon and, um, you know, the shot of the, uh, star destroyer coming out of the, the, the hazy. Oh, I love that. Or whatever it is. Oh, that, that was is such a cool so shot. Cool. Even though it does look like God, a that looks giant good. pair of lips when it's a, right. <laughs> you guys, have you guys seen that? <laughs> Once you see it, you oh, can't unsee it. Kind of that. Does, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. it kind of does. Yeah, and you know, and 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 Chewie and and Lando and, and the exciting, you know, at the beginning of the trailers, the exciting land speeder chase. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with Han and Kira just kind of like tearing around a city, and I mean, it just it looks just absolutely stunning. Um. It looks like it's being treated well, and I'm ex- I'm more excited for it than I than I was. I am still bothered a little bit by the casting of Woody Harrelson. I think he's <laughs> he's too big a name. You know what I mean? No, I um, totally understand. I f- I feel like Woody Harrelson has is one of those people that like he's he's now as he's gotten older and is kind of had this like career resurgence I guess you would call like it's hard to see him in a role like this because it's like it's Woody Harrelson and it's right, kind of exactly. hard to lose that um, yeah. it's actually it's interesting that you bring me up this is kind of a tangent but I saw um, a discussion thread on Facebook where people were talking about you know what they wanted to happen with Leia and uh, someone suggested that they cast recast the character and use Meryl Streep because Meryl Streep played Carrie's alter ego in the movie Postcards from the Edge. Ah, wow. And I don't love that idea primarily for the reason, exactly like you said, like I can't, I could not see... Like it would be hard to Meryl see anybody Streep. but Meryl Streep. Like She's I don't think famous, I could... Yeah. Sus- I don't think I could suspend my disbelief enough. And it's a little bit different because, like, obviously Leia and, you know, Carrie has embodied that. So it's kind and then have somebody famous step into a role that's already been occupied. Whereas with Woody Harrelson, we have no information on his character, pretty much. Like, we have not seen any sort of backstory. We don't know where he comes from. We've not seen him in a book or anything. Um. So... John, you had the same worry for Haldo in Last Jedi, though, right? I did. I, you know what? And she, and she absolutely nailed it. She nailed it. She, uh, maybe it was the purple hair, but you know, <laughs> um, if anything, but I, I'd be more worried about uh, uh, the Mother of Dragons there. I mean, 
Eva yeah, Clark being Amelia the one that Clark. stands out because I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be seeing uh, Danny for, for right. the longest time there, and she doesn't yeah. have purple hair to distract from that. Right? No, she she does well, have she's brown hair here. Yeah, and, yeah, and not she blonde. typically is is a platinum blonde. So. Well, she does have the purple hair in the poster. All oh, those posters are fantastic, by the way. Right? I love those yeah. solo they posters. Sure are. They are. I amazing. I like the. Uh, that we've gotten now the sudden onslaught of marketing and those po- <laughs> posters that they made are just fantastic. Fabulous. I love the colors. I think it um I think the colors really invoke kind of that like 70s, you know, like OT era to yeah. me anyway. I mean, I was barely alive at the end of that anyway, but you know, it kind of invokes that those days um so like whoever designed just, those, yeah, they're, give they're, them a raise, because damn, yeah, I want them. They, they are kind of like um, summer of '77 type colors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. So not necessarily the colors that they used in Star Wars marketing, but exactly, everything else but that in, the, era. in '77 was like mm-hmm. that. I totally dig what you're saying. So yeah, those are great. I was I was very pleasantly surprised because I know when we saw the you know those um the promo images that I now, I guess are going to be on the Lego sets, toys, the toys. Mm -hmm. Um, We were kind of like, you know, (laughs) is this real? (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm really digging it, Uh, but I'm digging those posters. Those look really good. Yeah. And I, and I have to say Donald Glover as Lando. Yeah. Digging it. (laughs) Digging it hardcore. The smile when he's <laughs> playing cards, like, yeah, that's that's a scoundrel. He's got it. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to I'm hear him hold, actually I, say something. You're gonna yeah, hold exactly. your I'm gonna judgment. wait until we hear him hear some dialogue and stuff. So I'm gonna wait on my judgment of that. Right but now, he's got the look. He's got the look. He's got the look. But right Certainly, now, all I see yeah. is Troy from Community. That's yeah. so. Is that what you that, see? That's what I see. I'm expecting okay. for him at any moment to just start going. <laughs> well, while shuffling from side to side, that's what I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for him to do right now because I still see Troy. But I, I respect him as an actor and artist. I know he'll do great. But I, I before I really make any judgment, I, I do need to see him Lando it up. Besides just looking right. all suave and. <laughs> he's got that down yeah he's got that down handed down forever i i guess this is where my lack of pop culture exposure current pop culture exposure is serving me well because i haven't watched community i don't watch game of thrones so at least for myself i'll be seeing some of these actors in a more naive context <laughs> so that may shift my uh perception of how they're playing their characters. All right. We'll Fair enough. I, I guess your lack of not watching anything ever is going to pay off this time around. <laughs> yeah. So let me around. let me ask you uh, one pop culture reference thing that maybe you you might be familiar with, and this ties into the Star Wars comics. All right, because yes. you are well versed in the Star Wars well, comics. The newer there Star is, Wars comics. Yeah. There is a shot of an African-American actress in this trailer. Yes. And I yeah, wonder Sandy if that's Newton. Santa Solo. 
Yeah, Sanastaros solo. Yeah. Um, well, so that is currently unclear. In the so, I mean, I don't. Did you guys read any of Anthony Bresnikin's um, Entertainment Weekly stuff? The articles that were released. I read after? one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, in one of the articles, they talked about kind of the, the scoundrels. So Woody Harrelson's character mm-hmm. um, and Sandy Newton's character. And the name that she's going by in the movie is Val. Val. So Val. V-A-L. Okay. So at least according to what they're currently revealing, it doesn't mm-hmm. appear that she's Sanastaros. Could it be an alias? Maybe. Um, that would be cool. If not, hey, then we get somebody new, and it's another woman and a woman of color, so that's cool, too. Uh, yeah. As much as I think it would be awesome to see Santa Staros make right. um, the shift from the comics, so we'll see. That's right. I forgot that. But she looked cool too. I love her fro. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This movie has a lot of famous names. Actually, when you think about it, right? Yeah. A yeah. lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I think Alden Ehrenreich is probably like in terms of like pop culture awareness, he's probably like lower on the list. Yeah. He's a, he's the dude from Hail Caesar. That's pretty much where people know him from. Yeah. Right. Um. Everyone else, yeah. Donald Glover, Community, Atlanta, his music career, Woody Harrelson's Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Media Clark, Game Even, of Thrones, Sandy um, Newton, Westworld, and a bunch of other movies. Sorry, I'm gonna butcher her name. Phoebe, is it Bridger Wallace? Phoebe. Oh yeah. yeah. Wa- Waller Bridge. Um, Waller Bridge. Yeah. Okay. Um. Sorry, I had those. <laughs> flip-flopped that's all right um i only know because i'm (laughs) looking at her name so oh okay you're cheating yeah Um, i am cheating i went to the imdb page (laughs) but yeah well that's where i am now uh she (laughs) i mean even she has her own show on amazon i think right which is where a lot of people seem to know her from so um so yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how having some of kind of more of these bigger names translates into into this movie. I'm excited though. I mean, I I was, you know, kind of like, uh, I'm not sure about this. I don't really know. But I'm excited now. I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to see what they've what they've done. And I, I hope I it's too. good. I mean, I I want it to be good. I want it to be so awesome that um, even the most uh, negative, jaded, cynical, jaded, cynical, jerky Star Wars fan that's been poo-pooing everything for the last two, three months will go, now that's a good movie. You know they're not. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. No, yeah. I know. Uh, they're, it's probably they're, too much. The scavengers are going to tear it apart. That's for scavengers. Filthy creatures that can abide them. But there's <laughs> definitely, I I can see, um, again, you know, it'll be curious to see with um, future trailers 
what we get, but I would definitely say that Alden seems to have kind of that smirky, uh, um, a little bit of that smirky cockiness that we know Johan for, uh, in the trailer. So I, I, I have a good feeling or a tentative good feeling. (laughs) Well, you know, this movie is going to be a mess because they just totally botched the Chewbacca recast. I mean, it looks and sounds nothing like him. Uh, (laughs) i can't even it's like what were were they thinking yeah come on uh hashtag sarcasm aside (laughs) yeah sarcasm aside i i think um he's doing a great job as chewbacca the eyes the eyes i mean obviously you're never going to get peter mayhew's eyes again but um the stature and his gait when he walks as chewbacca I mean, it's 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 perfect acting behind yeah. that mask. It's really yeah. perfect, and um, it seems like the the, the two head of movement them. exactly. I was about to get yeah. to the head movement. That when I see Chewbacca, the new guy, I forget his name. I feel terrible, but it's Junus 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 Suatamo Suatamo. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, and I'm you probably really sorry. are you probably nailed it. <laughs> He's. <laughs> You probably from, nailed it. He's from Finland. Finland. That's really hard. Uh, <laughs> well, when I see him as Chewbacca, all I see is Chewbacca. So, yeah, that that just means he's like nailing it for me. Just that exactly. Yep, totally agree. Yeah, he's he's doing yeah. it. Yeah, I think. The, uh, I'll uh, tell you what. His Chewbacca is better than prequel Chewbacca. Wasn't prequel Chewbacca Peter Mayhew? It was, but it didn't have that. There was something off with prequel something Chewbacca. Off about. There was something off, like the coloration or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Kind of, it it felt like it could have been a different Wookie and not Chewbacca to me. Fair enough. Whereas this one, it's Chewbacca. It's my my opinion, and it's worth everything in the world to me. <laughs> you know, speaking of recast real quick, um we've you know, this whole Han Solo, non Harrison Ford Han Solo has been like such a weird thing for us for a while, right? Just like the whole fandom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the whole thing with Carrie Fisher to recast. Um do you think it's easier to recast someone like Han Solo because of the actor that played him? Because, okay, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, they're iconic as Luke and and Leia. They never had the type of career that Harrison Ford had. I mean, Harrison Ford's also Indiana Jones. He's Deckard from Blade Runner. He was the president. He was right. a fugitive. He's, like, right. arguably yeah. the biggest movie star out of the core. He was a star. He's as, a Hollywood there's guy. There's no arguing. He was yeah. the biggest movie star. He was, at at one point, the... The highest paid movie star on the planet. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, he he's he's the biggest star out of out of the the original Star Wars cast, and I would I would go as far to say a uh, bigger star name than Alex Guinness ever had, bigger star name than Peter Cushing ever had. I mean, Harrison Ford is the biggest Star Wars actor, name recognition wise. And ability-wise, I mean, the guy can act, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. 
So because of how versatile of a visual career, you know, he's had and seeing him in so many different other roles. Because you see Harrison Ford, you see Harrison Ford. You see Mark Hamill, oh, it's Luke Skywalker. That's like the biggest. Right. Do you think it's easier Mm -hmm. to recast a character like that just because of the actor that was originally attached to it? Because you also had like young Indiana Jones, right? For a while there. Right. It's true. Yeah. I don't know, it was just a yeah, thought I, I had. I don't know. For a while. I, that's a that's a really good question. It's not one I'm not. Sh- I'm sure I I probably can't give you a, a definitive answer, but I could tell you that logically it would seem like it would be a harder thing to do. But we've seen it already, like you just pointed out, and we've had young Indiana Jones, and and now we have Han Solo, and uh, yeah. So I'm I'm guessing it's it's easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> I I don't know if I'll be able to answer that question until after we see the movie. Um, <laughs> it is a really good question, though. Um, Shower you know, thoughts. I think it. Yeah, I think it kind of runs both ways. But yeah, I don't know if I can answer that satisfactorily right now. Mm, all right, we'll put a. Put a pin mm, in that. We might have to. We might have to revisit this question after. We'll Solo readdress it released. later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. For sure. <laughs> All right. So not only did we get the solo trailer last week. Oh no! No, we're being spoiled. Uh, and it was released or announced, whatever. Uh, Tuesday after we got the or Wednesday. I don't even remember now. That was last week. It's gone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was announced after the solo trailer aired that the Game of Thrones writing duo, Ah. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, will write and produce a new series of Star Wars films. Uh, And at this time, it's currently unknown how many of films that actually is going to be, who's going to direct them, what the films will be about. Um, But we do know that these two guys are going to be involved with expanding the Star Wars universe even more. I thought I heard that it was going to be a trilogy. Have they backtracked off that? I I think I I read trilogy two initially. In, I'm pretty sure in the initial announcement, they just said a series of films. Okay. And it okay. was not actually specified. The only thing that they did specify, interestingly perhaps, is that it is not, it is a different series of films than the ones that Ryan Johnson is working on. And that they yes. are not um, related. Okay. But, and I mean, you know, feel free to, I think Adrian's Googling it right now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As far as I remember, but again, everybody in my house was sick last week. So it's also possible that I misread it and am just running with. The new series will be separate from the main episodic Skywalker saga that started with Star Wars A New Hope. And is slated to wrap up with 2019's Star Wars Episode Nine. It will also exist independently from a Ryan Johnson Helm series that was announced last year. So you're right. There is so, no trilogy or it's just a series. Yeah. 
So that's kind of interesting. People seem to be inferring that it's a trilogy, which obviously makes sense yeah. given how we've gotten the Star Wars films of the past. There's <laughs> there's reason to believe it probably is another trilogy. Uh, how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> I uh, have thoughts, but I'm 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 not <laughs> go ahead. Well, you're, someone you're not else a Game of can... Thrones watcher, but uh I am. I'm uh, not. Adrian yeah. is. So he you and I have uh, been discussing Game of Thrones for as long as we've known each other. Yeah. And uh, um, I bring it on. I mean, these guys are doing great things with Game of Thrones. And hey, if there's, uh, you know, we we've got the opportunity to 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 do Star Wars from a different angle, maybe a more adult angle, which is something that these guys are are really good at. So we could very well have boobies and banthas. I mean, it, it could happen. No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> not, not Let me tell you why you're wrong. Uh... <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, no. hey, we did already get boobies in a Star Wars film <laughs> in The Last Jedi. Doesn't count. <laughs> yes, it does. Does it count? Those were really those are really disturbing boobies that we got <laughs> on that on that not move. Thala, Thala, siren, the Thala siren. Yeah, get it right, yeah. John. Come on. Uh, I know God. the movie's been out two months, how, and I've seen it four times. Jeez, I think yeah. I'd have it down by now because they're not mentioned at all in the dialogue. <laughs> a quick, quick uh, tangent. How was the fourth viewing? Oh, it's glorious. glorious. It was awesome. great. great. I almost went happy. I almost went for number five last night, but I knew I was too tired and I would have been paying seven bucks for a nap. Mm. Yeah. Legit. I'm gonna try and go for a fourth this this week too. May the fourth be with you. Ah <laughs> But yeah, okay. Uh I'm I'm kind of I'm excited in that. Yeah, we're getting more Star Wars and, you know, like that's like the official f- fans of the Force stance right there. More Star Wars, the better, right? right. But what mm-hmm. I'm more excited about is how different each thing seems to be. I mean, say what you will about the way Disney has done a few things and, you know, people are, you know, they're disagreeing on it hardcore. Each film that they've put out has been different from the last that's- yeah, you could argue Force Awakens was like the original Star Wars, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, we're not saying that. Saying Force Awakens is completely different from Last Jedi. Both of those are completely different from Rogue One. Solo seems to be going a different route too. I'm yeah. excited with the variety and different subgenres these films are kind of tackling and bringing yeah. in the Game of Thrones guys. Like, okay, that you know you're going to get something unique with that. So bring it on. Just keep, keep yeah, taking we- the risk. Keep doing something different. We got the war film sort of with Rogue One mm-hmm. and and we're getting the uh the cowboy western with solo. Yeah. <laughs> at least elements of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and this potentially could be the Game of Thrones of Star Wars with this new series. And a lot of speculation is that it's gonna be like Knights of the Old Republic or something like that. Um, so they're going to go back deep Let into the history. Die. See, no. that I would like from them. 
because I could obviously Game of Thrones is this epic saga, right? With all these families Certainly. and factions and yeah, this amazing world, right? That uh, they got from the books. Yeah, they have a plethora of the same with the legend stuff, with the old Republic stuff, with the games. Yeah, they could do the same thing and just how uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just how grand the scope was is for that era of star wars the old republic yep. the okay. jedi sith war yeah. mandalorians i mean yeah that yep. that seems like it'd be right up their alley so while i'm not like a total hardcore fan of that era just because i haven't really been exposed to it that much if anyone's gonna make a series of movies about that era um i would hope it'd be them absolutely nailed it i totally agree with that sentiment that's exactly how i feel i don't care enough about the Knights of the Old Republic stuff in that era. But if these guys are doing it, you've got my attention because these are the guys that can do it. Yeah. So they, the report also said this is coming after the Ryan Johnson trilogy, right? Um, I don't know if it's specified. You know, they haven't actually specified timelines. Really it haven't. just said it was independent. And so I, I don't know. Do th- I, we have no idea. So, do you guys think that might, this might replace the the current saga film slash a Star Wars story thing we've been doing, flip flopping between? So, we'll get a Ryan Johnson film and then a Benioff Weiss film. I am gonna <laughs> go ahead and say yes. I think, given that we still don't even have an announcement about the third Star Wars story. Kenobi. Um, I have seen, yeah, what? well, <laughs> well, we'll see. It's still not know. official, though. I know. Still not official. Um, yep. Star Wars Boy can Some people are speculating, and who knows if this is true or not, that they may be quietly scrapping the, like, solo. The solo spinoff um, movies, standalone spinoff movies. There we go. There uh, we go. Um, <laughs> in favor of doing kind of like these alternating trilogies. Is that true? I don't know. I don't work at Lucasfilm. It's a plausible theory. Here's but... why I don't think that'll happen. Okay. Do tell. Because if you look at what Marvel is doing, um, they are doing lots of series going on at the same time. And doing true. little little standalone things that can that can eventually wrap into the main storyline with Avengers, you know, so to speak, you know, mm-hmm. where you get every, yeah. all the yes. all the toys together in one place in Avengers. Yep. But then yep. doing mm-hmm. all these separate films. So I mm-hmm. think we'll see something similar in Star Wars, but maybe during different timeline time periods, you know. So we'll be getting a trilogy of Star Wars, future Star Wars with Ryan Johnson. You know, I'm I'm speculating here, of course. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get a past trilogy of Star Wars with, um, yeah, with the Game of Thrones boys, right? And then we'll still get the one shots from time to time, and we'll get Star Wars. We could get Star Wars three times a year. Like Marvel is doing movies three or That's four times. That's a very interesting and point. Bring, they do seem to be yeah. building up to that. Making Star Wars or Marvel type of thing. Right. 
I and it's all the same company. I and I mean, we're, we, we're getting yeah. two new Star Wars films, like not even six months apart from each other, or is it six months? Right. Yeah. So right. No, it's almost. It's almost six months. So not quite. Yeah. That's an excellent point, John. That's wow. Yeah. That's, no. That's interesting. <laughs> kind of blew my mind with that. I didn't really thought about it. I I think it's it's just more. It's not instead of it's. More of. And then with well, all the new series they're supposed possible. to be planning, right? Right? Yes, we'll get we'll get to that in a second. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done here. Uh, <laughs> um you know, I I agree that it's exciting that they definitely seem to have a vision um for more Star Wars. I am concerned about this selection. Um, now, yes, I've admitted that I don't watch Game of Thrones. You're right. I don't. But I have read enough about Game of Thrones. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> you may think that. Um, <laughs> So I'm a little concerned about the fact that they're coming off this series, which admittedly is based on books written by someone else. Yeah. But I'm worried that they're coming off this series, which is kind of horrifically violent and also incredibly misogynistic um, in regards to its female characters. I'm not thrilled that it's two more white guys. And there was actually an article released where a variety writer went back and looked at all of these Star Wars films that have been written and directed. And it is 96% white dudes. There is one woman writer that so far has been involved, involved in a Star Wars film. 96% white guys. Okay. So, yes. On the one hand, I'm excited that there's my only be problem with that statement. Then I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I just want to interject. As long as they're good stories, I don't care if it's white guys, white gals, black guys, black gals. I don't care. As long as they're good, I don't care. Well, yes, yes. I mean, I think we all want them to be good. The only problem that I have is that. There are people that are not white dudes that are telling good stories. Um, and, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And the, 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 the issue I have is that there's been a lot of noise, obviously, in Hollywood with um, trying to get more uh, women creators, people of color. And even Kathy Kennedy has gone on record saying, oh, yeah, you know, we want to bring in diverse voices. And then they, they turn around and hire two more white guys. I'm right. not saying that they're not going to tell a good story, and I want them to tell a good story. And I think that's I'm why just, they're being brought in. I hope so. Um, I just, I still find it a little bit frustrating. So we'll see. I mean, I want it to be good, and I have faith that with the story group, um, and Pablo and Kiri Hart and the people that form the story group at Lucasfilm that it won't get crazy. 
Um, because, and I'm just going to lay this out now, I don't want R-rated Star Wars movies. I'll save that for my fan fiction. Like, I... <laughs> wow, I, read your I fan mean, fiction. you laugh, but like... But, but honestly, like, Star Wars is an escape, right? And even right. George Lucas has said, like, I made Star Wars for 12-year-olds. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't watch Star Wars because I want to, like, watch a bunch of people die or get raped or, you know, right. see horrific... Okay, we, 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 are, we are not. Just, so... I, I, I wouldn't worry about them bringing over no, that aesthetic from Game of Thrones. no. Yeah, and I, I don't. I, think so too. I don't think they'll be allowed. I don't think that will be quote unquote allowed. Um, no, but I, I'm I just, think you're right. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there that like I think that the Star Wars we get with Rogue One and the themes that we see in the Last Jedi, like you can, and even if you go into the cartoons in Rebels and Clone Wars, which were not exactly, um, you know, feel good Care Bear, <laughs> you know skipping through flower fields, meadows, whatever. Um, you know, so I think I think you can tell stories that have, you know, these these stronger themes and underlying messages without it having to be like grim, dark, gritty, everybody dying. So I just like they have been historically. Yeah. <laughs> like no, the, tell the same kind of story you've been telling Without yeah. getting too overtly dark and too too grim and too gruesome and too crude, and it, yeah. and I think Star Wars is a does a good job of of walking of that line, com- walking that line exactly. So, and I think you're right, and I, I I think Adrian's right too. I don't think we have to worry about boobies and banthas. I, I it's not <laughs> it's not really going to happen. Please you know, <laughs> I was certainly making a joke. But I, I know. But I, 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 no, no, but I think, no blue milk wedding or anything like that. Yeah, no. I mean, we'll we'll probably still get severed limbs. We'll probably still oh, get yeah. people thrown into trash compactors and <laughs> and gruesome things like that that may be seen off camera and that sort of thing. Whole planets being destroyed with Blo- you know, yeah, all that sort uh, of thing. Know, so we're gonna we're gonna get that dark, but it's gonna tow that line. It's gonna tiptoe up to the wall. And then turn around before <laughs> it goes too far. Was that a reference, know? John? You know, it wasn't. What reference could it have been? Tiptoe to the wall. No, no, no. Game of Thrones. The wall reference. Oh, the wall. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah, is it the wall? I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah. No, I didn't mean it like that. But let's pretend I did. All right. Uh, rewind. <laughs> okay. your- right. Hey, John, that was a good yeah. reference, bro. Well, thank you. I was thinking of the wall. Oh, right then. I caught that. (laughs) Uh Well, you know, John, how you were lamenting that nobody had lost a limb in The Last Jedi. Yes. (laughs) As is typical in several Star Wars films. You will probably get your fill with whatever movies (laughs) (laughs) are going to be coming up next. (laughs) I can only hope so. Imagine they like remake like the Ewok adventures or something like that. Just like completely out of nowhere, left field. Oh gosh. Hey, cannibal Ewoks are cannons. So they they wouldn't do that to us. (laughs) Okay, then. All right. So, um, so that was big news. Um, the other 
currently uh, also announced is that uh, Bob Iger uh, announced that there are actually multiple TV, Star Wars TV shows currently in development. And these shows are going to air specifically um, on Disney's own streaming service, which is set to debut in 2019. Uh, but this is the first. <laughs> but I know, aside from the groaning about having to pay for another subscription service, um, this is the first confirmation we've gotten that there are actually multiple shows in the works. Although. I guess I'm not really surprised because I think we all figured that there would be another animated series coming out after Rebels wraps up. Oh, uh, you know and they're prepping they for announce, it right now. Yeah, and so and since they also announced that there's a live action show in development, it's kind of not really news. I guess now that I think about it, like, are we totally surprised? Eh, no, maybe not. Not really. Just happy about it, that's all. Yeah, anything. More Star Wars. We're going to be <laughs> drowning in Star Wars, guys. Uh, and lastly, all right, before we get into actually our main topic, um, lastly, at the D23 Expo Japan, which I think happened this past weekend, J.J. Uh, Abrams said that the shooting for Episode Nine is scheduled to begin this summer. Bum, so. bum, bum. Bum, ba, da, da. Which, I mean, makes sense giving out that it's coming out at the end of 2019 and they'll want to have plenty of time for pickups and editing and all that jazz. So, the second surprising. to last Jedi, calling it now. Title. <laughs> <laughs> the absolute, really, we mean it this time, guys, the last Jedi. <laughs> no, for real, she's the last Jedi. Please just don't think about it too much. Snoke is still dead, by the way. Just drop it. Oh, You'll get a novel yeah. in like a year. <laughs> oh, speaking of speaking of novels, speaking of novels, wait, I want to give a shout out because apparently, wait, now I have to find it. It's the 40th anniversary, pretty sure I've got this, the 40th anniversary of the publishing of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Oh, no way. Which is widely considered <laughs> to be the beginning of the Star Wars Expanded Universe. And it initially came out on February 12th, 1978. So there you go. Boom. Happy 40th birthday. <laughs> All right. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Which, have either of you read that book? Um, I read some panels from the comic adaptation. It is. It's, it's weird. A thing. It is a trick. <laughs> I have yeah. not read it. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Basically, it was written. It was, so it was written by Alan Dean Foster, who also wrote the Force Wagons novelization, which I mentioned earlier. But he, I think he also wrote, um, or maybe this is just it. I guess I think or helped George adapt the the original novelization of Star Wars. In any case, um, the story is that the splinter of a mind's eye was um, kind of made as like a contingency plan because they didn't know how well Star Wars was going to do or if, you know, if they'd get Harrison Ford back and, or you know, what was going to happen. And so it was basically written as like a sequel to Star Wars before they actually 
wrote the Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi. So there are definitely some things that are kind of like, uh, uh. <laughs> especially with <laughs> Luke and Leia. <laughs> well, well, that was before any of that. My biggest issue is yeah. Vader being treated as this curses. I'll get you next time type of villain. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, it was n- n- move along. Um, we did move along yeah, and I'm glad we did. Yeah, I still want to buy think, it, and I still want to read it. After forty years, I still, I still have the urge. To yeah, buy it I mean, I'll send, I'll send you my copy. I bought it many years you bought ago. It? I'll prep, probably never read it again. I should read it again. All right, we're done. Did we're reading it? We're all reading it. Okay. <laughs> all right. Have time to read. So with with that, that was our like hour long discussion on just the news and right. galactic happenings in the Star we've, Wars universe. So. <laughs> we've had we've had a lot of galactic happenings happening, and uh, so it's good to finally talk about and discuss those things with uh, uh, my fellow Force fans. Galaxy is popping right now, man. Oh, for sure, for sure. But now uh, let's let's move on to our main topic of discussion. Um, Adrian, so what's this week's setup? This is part three of our four-part Last Jedi discussion, and this week we'll be tackling the Canto Bite Finn Rose side of things. Um, the mo- arguably the most controversial part of the movie with uh, the fan one base. One of many. One of many, but yeah. <laughs> arguably. Arguably. Still, you could still argue. Yeah. Yes. Well, people uh, still sure. are. <laughs> nah, yes, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just let's, so what do you guys say we start up by just giving our initial thoughts just like real quick one or two sentences about how you feel about Kanto Bite and that whole uh, side plot. Cat go. Uh, well, I liked it. I'm I'm pretty easy to please um, and generally become more critical of things as I have the opportunity to think about it more and more uh, rather than on first pass. Um, but even, even now, having seen The Last Jedi several times, I still like that, and I know a lot of people write it off as it's slowing down the movie. Um, but I actually think when you look at kind of the overall picture and Finn's character arc, that it's actually pretty essential. Um that doesn't mean it's perfect, but I liked it. I liked, one, I like Finn. I like Rose. She's adorable. I like seeing Canto Bite always because I love seeing how large the galaxy is and being able to see different places like mm-hmm. this. Um, and lastly, I read the Canto Bite book, um, which is actually a book of like four novellas, um, and it was super enjoyable. So I I liked I liked that segment. I'll just throw it out there. I liked it. I don't hate it. Bring it on. My biggest problem with that whole segment was Foghorn Leghorn. I, I told him not to park, park by the water there. Boy. I, he's a good boy, but he's about as sharp as a throw pillar. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Justin Gordon-Levitt, I believe, was that. That was uh, him, right? Yes. Worst yes, part of the movie. His, his best foghorn, leghorn. I, 
So oh. John, I would I would agree that some of the the I guess what would you call them like bit parts or and maybe even some sight gags slash bit part slash sight gags were what derailed that more than the fact yeah. that they were actually left. So I'm thinking, yeah, that Joseph Gordon Levitt's alien was one of them. But the uh, like the the fat lady, the fat singing, lady singing, basic, yeah, that yeah. was kind of. <laughs> um, so yeah, I yep. totally get where you're coming. That was from, regrettable. Like, there are, yes, there are, there are little things that I think if tweaked, it might have been. There's we, we little things around. I liked about that scene too, though. We, so like yeah. uh, the 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 character voiced by Mark Hamill feeding the coins into BB-8. Yes, has and that been confirmed BB-8's, to be Mark Hamill? Is that actually him? Yes, that's it is, that's him. Yes. Okay, yeah. He's actually listed uh, twice in the credits. No, I, right. I knew that, but I remember uh, last last I heard of it. Anyway, they said he he played a a voice in the Canto Bite sequence, but they didn't say who. Spick- they, oh, it's, no, it's, it's the, been it's confirmed. That, it's that, 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 it's okay. the drunk leprechaun. Yeah, yeah, the drunk right. leprechaun. <laughs> I like that. Right, totally. And then I do like um, that. Uh, when BB-8's rolling around, you can hear the coins sloshing around inside him. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, so, like, there's at least a hollow point inside him where all the things that can come out of him and protrude and, and all that stuff, there's still a bit of a cavern in there for more mm-hmm. space, for more stuff, which is an interesting look inside so to speak of bb-8 so even though he's got all these arms and and cables that can come out and all that stuff he's still got room in there for more stuff which is cool it's like like the tardis uh (laughs) (laughs) plus what's not to love about bb-8 taking like four armed guards out just being his little round roly-poly self i mean sure yeah that was coins at him shoot So there are there, so I mean I've got I guess I've got mixed feelings about that whole scene, you know. It's cool to see all the different aliens, you know. So this is our uh this is our Jabba's palace scene, this is our uh cantina scene, this is our Maz Kanata's castle scene. This is where we get all the weird aliens, right? And in this movie, I think we got some of the weirdest ones we've ever seen. I mean, some of them are just like it's like, is that really Star Wars? But yes, it is. It is now. So um, so in that respect, I mean, those are always my favorite scenes of Star Wars films. So I, I like that aspect of it, all the creepy creatures and, and the d- different way far out designs that they brought out this time around. And uh, for years, I can't wait for the <laughs> Blu-ray to come out so I can pause it and study all oh, this Oh, absolutely. Stuff. It's going to be crazy fun to do. Um, but... You know, the whole the whole thing in itself and, um, you know, the the fables that, I mean, it's the whole thing turns into a fable, right? You know, be kind to animals and and don't profiteer from war and, you know, how, how, <laughs> however many soapboxes they were on in the scene, you know, don't beat children, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> That's uh, that's a good moral to live by. Yes, gambling's bad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. Sorry, Adrian. You a lot of soapboxes in one in one scene. Well, but I think I and 
Adrian, feel free to jump in and interrupt me. I think what's kind of crucial about that whole scene is like, yes, there are a lot of soapboxes that are kind of jumped on, but I think it's crucial to Finn's development in terms of him being able to see the larger, the galaxy at large, basically, because he's been trapped within the First Order system, and that's literally all he knows. I mean, again, The Last Jedi picks up almost immediately after The Force Awakens ends. So you've got Finn, who's literally like, he knows the First Order, he escapes, joins, quote-unquote, the Resistance, but really, he's there for Ray, and he he actually has no clue what the rest of the galaxy is like. I mean, when you think about it, and so I think I think overall, you know, he kind of has this um, rosy picture that he will just run away and escape the First Order, and really, he doesn't kind of realize that. The rest of the galaxy is not this, you know, happy, not all of it, you know, yeah, there are people that are war profiteering, that are people that are, you know, they keep indentured children as servants or slaves. Um, In the book, they're indentured, they're not actually slaves, but close enough, um, really. Um, They still could be. You know, so, (laughs) so I think, I think that it's, it's crucial for Finn, who kind of has this, well, as long as I get away from the First Order, everything's going to be fine. And he doesn't really think about, well, in the larger picture, there's actually still a lot of crappy stuff that's going on. So, anyway, Adrian, jump in. Um, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with uh, what both of you uh, put down there. Um, I like seeing the different side of the galaxy. I mean, especially in this film where we had, let's see, the interior of a spaceship, an island, and then... The interior of another spaceship. Another spaceship, and then salt. Canto Bight <laughs> oh, really... Oh, right, salt, yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, Canto Bight really, really stands out in the movie as far as visual splendor goes like john was saying like i i want to mm-hmm. get the blu-ray so i could be like pausing like oh what's that or oh i didn't notice that or you know just pick up all the little uh finer details that he just can't possibly catch in the theater i think it gives the movie a much more uh rewatch value i mean not that i already didn't but you know just visually on top of that um other than the soapbox stuff the whole well, two minorities having their own side plot type of thing. Um, I like that we got a pretty hopeful plot with with them because we have Luke Skywalker who just wants to be left on his own, just wants to be forgotten, right? Because of what happened, so that's a, that's a downer. He won't train Ray. Ray finds out she's a nobody. Uh, the Resistance are in constant peril. Kanto Bite is the one time in the film where it's like this old school swashbuckling adventure. We, you know, we, we freed the Fathiers and we're riding away and it's magical and it's pretty. Mm-hmm. Look at the moon as we're riding on the beach and whoa, you know, it's fun. It's a fun sequence. It's a fun uh, part of the film where it's designed beautifully. Just we needed something like that in The Last Jedi. Otherwise, it would have been just too damn dark, I think. Mm hmm. Plus, I mean, along with the broom kids and all that in the next generation, I mean, that, that's hopeful. That whole sequence, that whole part of the of the movie is hope. 
it goes in line with the last line. We know we have all that we need. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we have a little bit of resistance here. You know, it means more than that because there's a whole new generation that's going to be involved. And on top of that, I just kind of like how pulpy it was. I I love Rose's whole, uh, you know, I wish I could put my entire fist through this place. I love, I love chewy dialogue like that. It makes makes me wish I could get like a, like a noir type of novel or comic set on Kanto Bite. I think that would be the perfect setting for something like that. Well, you should read the book. Oh, okay then. Read the book. But, um, just throw that out there. Uh, always <laughs> read the book. Uh, but I actually, I like the point that you brought up about how this was kind of like the, the swap, more of the swashbuckling mm-hmm. um, action, because obviously the rest of the movie there's a lot of other action that takes place. You know, we have the space battles, we've got, you know, Luke and Kylo, um, Ray and Luke, you know, when they have their sparring, you know, there's, there's other types of action, but I think you're right. This kind of has that more kind of, um, you know, swashbuckling kind of, a, a, almost, you know, we'll call it like more, with the Flash Gordon spaghetti western, exactly. you know, type of you know where they're kind of on this this mission, and you've got some comedy, um, but then you know they're actually they're they're doing good. They free the fathers. They you know are aware of the 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 children's plight, you know, and they're actually kind you know they're they're having a little bit of fun. It's, it's a fun. Bit of chaos. I, I think it's fun. <laughs> And I, I think you're right, is that more importantly, it brings a little bit of levity from what's actually kind of really a heavy, um, almost to the point of being overbearing darkness in the rest of this movie. I mean, because you've got, you know, the resistance is almost destroyed. Luke is, you know, a much different person than when we last saw him in The Return of the Jedi. And so I think... This is a nice interlude where for a few quiet moments, you know, we don't, we can kind of forget about that. I, I I'll admit it. The first time I saw The Last Jedi, I, I like, I love the movie the first time I saw it. Okay. So it's, I just want to <laughs> put that out there. But I was a little impatient whenever we cut away from Mach 2. I mean, obviously we want to know what's going on with Luke Skywalker, right? And I did kind of find Kanto by kind of like, all right, well, let's move it along here, kind of, kind of thing. But upon second or repeated viewings, where you know what's going to happen and you're not trying to figure out what's going to happen, it just becomes this, like you're saying, just really enjoyable part of the film that ties in beautifully with Poe's arc too. Later on, when they're on Kraid, when all the individual plot lines finally come together, um. Yeah, I, I mean, Ryan Johnson was quoted as having said, that, you know, in retrospect, he wouldn't change anything about the film. And, I mean, I agree with him. Like, structurally speaking, I I think it's great. There's no need to remove Kanto Bite or, I mean, yeah. Well, and, and my my experience with it the first time I saw it was the opposite. It was like, there, it, it felt rushed. That whole scene felt rushed. Mm-hmm. 
Like they mm-hmm. needed to just kind of get through it and get back to the action, you know. Yeah, which in and a I way they that, did. Yeah, w- right, totally. And um, and you know, I think that's what what a lot of people's problem with that scene mm-hmm. is that maybe they don't realize it, but that's the problem that it was just rushed. So it feels like it was just kind of like put in there. Just for the sake of putting it in and going to a new place and looking at some new creatures, and then we got out and away as fast as we could. But, you know, upon seeing the movie several times now, you do start to get the value of that scene and and the importance of it, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the arc of the story. I mean, could they cut that whole scene out and and still get the message across yes they could but the growth wouldn't be as apparent either at the same time you'd be so butchering things yeah Fins you are. you'd be yeah. you'd be you'd be short you'd also be shortening his his part of the arc right um yeah. so you know it is it's a it's a clunky scene in the middle of the movie that in some ways slows things down but I do think it needs to slow down, and we need to have a different taste on our palates for the rest of the film. So, and this is a very different taste than anything we've seen in Star Wars. Um, so, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't absolutely love it. I am looking forward to looking at all the different creatures and everything. But honestly, if you clip that whole thing out and tightened up the film in other ways, um, you know, I. I wouldn't miss it that much. Those are just my feelings. Can I make a comparison here with Empire Strikes Back? Of course. Okay, so Resistance Side of Things and Canto Bite, right? Arguably the... It's the the parts of the film people have a biggest issue with plot-wise just because it's a big space chase and then just like this seemingly random plot line, right? Right. How... Do those individual plot lines stack up to, say, Han and Leia and Chewie hanging out inside of the asteroid for a good 20, 30 minutes and just talking and fixing the Falcon and Mark Hamill hanging out with a Muppet on a swamp set for just the same amount of time? Because the way John was, like the way you said it, right, it kind of maybe slows things down to to a degree. I'd argue the same thing with Empire, with that whole... I've heard people say that the middle of Empire Strikes Back is is boring. I mean, yeah, there's no action going on. It's 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 character moments. It's all character yeah, growth. Yeah, it's 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 all character, and it's it's all um, it's all you know set up for the big finish, which know? makes the big and finish mean something. Because if you go straight to right. the big finish without these quote unquote boring parts, it means nothing. Well, and then it's not memorable. Exactly. You know? And this creates an impact, an emotional impact. And and I don't know that the Canto Bite scene does that for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I think Empire does. You know, it gives us the 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 Han and Leia romance stuff, you know, them falling on the ship while it's quaking and all that stuff. It builds that romantic tension there to set up, you know, their separation. At the you know the end of the mm-hmm. film in the third act, and then it shows us the growth of Luke and the frustrations that Yoda has trying to train him, 
and you know you're not ready yes i am you know all that stuff okay okay you know, i think those are dire parts of that film um that that make it the masterpiece it is i don't think canto bite quite has that kind of impact okay though but okay let's dissect it a bit more so like Catray said earlier right finn is pretty much like a baby to the galaxy he's never <laughs> experienced or seen anything beyond the first order right right and we yeah. see that he goes to Kanto Bite and is like, oh my god, this is the most amazing this place. This is amazing. It's, I love yeah. this place. Why why do you hate this place? Rose kind of lays it down for him. He's like, oh, okay, maybe. Right. What? He's starting to learn something. He's starting to change sure. a bit, right? Sure. Okay, that kind of that that in turn pays off later with uh on crate. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, right? He started off doing this whole thing to try and save Ray, right? Cadre said it too. He's, yeah. It's all about Ray. Mm-hmm. Just, I don't care about That's, your resistance. Yeah. I don't care. This is I'm fighting for myself and what it's, I care about. Which is Ray. Which is Ray. Everything was about Ray. He started changing his viewpoint a bit on Kanto Bite. And then, you know, once they get off Kanto Bite and get onto the uh, Star Destroyer, they fail the mission. He f- gets a sense of that failure and he realizes that our failure is going to have dire consequences, not just for me and Ray, but for everybody that was counting on us. All that stemmed. Yeah. It's bigger than me. And he finally got a sense of that. Him overpowering Phasma, I think is like a good visual rep for that. He even says rebel scum, right? He's embracing it. Finally, (laughs) whatever you feel about the line itself, that that's the purpose. Like I am fully embracing this persona. I am finally fighting for something bigger than myself. None of that would have been as heavy, I guess, if it weren't for what it, what happened on Kanto Bite. And I agree, it's it's clunky. We we've we've said it several times. It's handled clunky, but I think it has just as big yeah. importance as the stuff in Empire, just because of what it does for Finn. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think, I think because in Empire it was handled so well mm-hmm. and this was handled so weird that it doesn't yeah. have the same impact. No, I can see that. That's a valid point. It is. And I think, I think, um, because, the, you know, they used Moz as kind of the, uh, um, Ugh. Another to clunky, direct them another to, clunky yeah, thing. That's the one part of the film I can't. <laughs> well, I, and yeah, so so I definitely think that it could have been introduced differently. I guess I do think that getting Finn away from both the Resistance and the First Order was a crucial part of that, though. Um, again, kind of like removing Luke to Dagobah um, to train with Yoda or separating Han and Leia so they can develop that romantic tension. You know, I think it was I think it was important for Finn's character to be removed from both of those groups because he did need to see a larger picture. Like he's so he's so focused at the beginning on on himself and Ray that even though he wants to defeat the first or well, it's not even actually that he wants to defeat the first or he wants to he run away wants to get the hell out yeah. of there. Yeah. And I know a lot of people kind of have taken issue with this, this 
arc of his, but I actually think it's consistent with what we saw in The Force Awakens. I mean, he's he wants to get away from the First Order. He realizes that's not where he belongs. So he helps Poe as a means to an end and finds a friend in Poe. I mean, that's not to say, you know, they're friends, obviously. And Ray as part of that journey. And, you know, that's, those are like his, his two reasons to, and really it becomes more focused on Ray because he thinks Poe's dead for a time. So anyway, so, you know, I think, I think starting at the beginning of The Last Jedi, like that's, that's all very consistent. He wants to save himself and save Ray. And so I think, I think it was necessary to remove him from all of that because otherwise I don't think you would have had that growth um that we see give him the perspective he needed that he didn't have yeah because because otherwise there's no reason for him to really embrace the like rebel scum uh (laughs) and and take out phasma which i know it's cheesy as hell but i still loved hey nachos Um. are cheesy and i love nachos okay (laughs) that scene was nachos for me rebel scum Um, like ooh, that's cheesy that's that's (laughs) perfect i mean Syria, I I love that. It's like yes, yeah. you know, take her out. Um, so can we talk so a I little bit about think, Phasma? Sure, we yeah, can talk. We can talk about Phasma. Phasma. Um, just, just yeah. I'm just sorry for interrupting, quick, but but, yeah. but I mean, I think I think it kind of I think I think we needed that segment to set up Finn kind of embracing the resistance and embracing the idea that there's something bigger than just his own survival that he can fight for or bigger than Ray's survival that he can fight for, which is then what ultimately leads him to try and basically commit suicide in order to take out the cannon um, on crate, which then um, (laughs) obviously would not have done anything. So, um, I mean, that was one of the biggest themes in the movie. He's like survival. We've talked about it too. Survival is his own victory. Why needlessly sacrifice when you can live to fight another day? Type of type of thing, and that's how it ties back with yeah. Poe's arc. Yeah, yeah. Like Finn. So you know, Poe learns that you know sometimes. I mean, I guess they both do. Yeah, sometimes it's better to stop fighting and run away, you know, to to retreat and regroup rather than fight. And Finn kind of jumps wholeheartedly into the like Poe mentality of, well, now nah, we're just gonna do it until we're, you know, give it our all. Um, the Rogue One mentality. <laughs> the Rogue One mentality. Uh, <laughs> so, and then and then through Rose. Um, being saving him and then being injured, he's like, actually, wait, you know, we're starts to come back around to okay, we need to retreat and regroup and and save the galaxy that way. But yes, talk about Phasma also. <laughs> I mean, yeah, man. I mean, she's she's the Boba Fett of this new trilogy. People love her, but I'm kind of like. Why? <laughs> I like the way she looks. I mean, I have a little Phasma figure on my desk at work, but. 
And okay, okay, just real quick, is she coming back in episode nine? I think she is. I would put money on it. I don't think she's dead. Neither do I. John? John? Yeah, I uh I'd like to see her return. But like, like an, see her come back. But like actually do something actually Right. Give give the character a big moment, you know? And maybe see her final curtain, you know, in the next film. Um, but I'd like to see her again. And I'd like to see her squaring off with with Finn, you know? Again. Um yeah. and, you know, Finn getting his final victory over her or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see her back. I hope she's not dead. I don't think she is. I'd like I'd like to see her not be as wasted a character as she has she been. She has been, right? Agreed. Yeah. yeah. She's pretty badass to play uh, on Battlefront 2. Yeah. Yeah, she <laughs> oh, really yeah. is. She's got that spider thing that just, like, uh-huh. shish kebabs people. <laughs> totally. Ugh. Pretty dope. Hey, there you go, Game of Thrones, guys. Use that thing. Mm-hmm. And it's Gwendolyn Christie, too. <laughs> oh, there you go. Just make a, That's yeah. it. Calling it. They're making a Phasma trilogy. Well, they could base it off uh, Delia Dawson's, or Delilah, sorry. <laughs> Delilah Dawson, um, the Phasma novel. Yeah. Hey, did in you which, read that yet? In wh- I'm reading it You're right reading now. It? It's on my shelf. Um, <laughs> in which um, in which Phasma is a pretty badass warrior, not unlike uh, Gwendolyn Christie's badass warrior on Game of Thrones. Maybe even more badass. And the comic, she's definitely badass and you really don't want to actually be involved with phasma because you will end up dead i read the first issue of that and how she well kind of got out of that whole circular base pickle i'm like okay then well played she's brutal and i think i think her character one, her character is much better served in the supporting materials, and two, woefully underused in the movies. Yeah, um, just like Boba Fett. You know, like she's got yeah, kind of like Boba Fett. Like she's got this super good, super cool look, and it's Gwendolyn Christie, and she's tall. She looks awesome, she's and then <laughs> I mean, literally, she's almost like a decoration. You know, it's like a hood ornament. You know, she looks cool, and. That's well, what's her functionality? About, yeah, yeah, what's what's the point? Like, why? Aside from, <coughs> so I guess I hope that she's not dead because I would like to see her and Finn actually kind of have like one last meeting because they're kind of set up to be antagonists to each other, um, and so depending on what Finn's arc is, I think it would be cool to see them meet one last time in episode nine and really close that out altogether. But I hope they do more with her character. I don't, unfortunately I'm not convinced that they will um, because you've already got Kylo and Hux that are kind of fighting over, you know, control of the, the first order or will be probably fighting, you know, so I don't know how much, I don't know what what they'll do. Um, you know, there's only so many characters you can focus on in a two hour movie. Also, so 
Yeah, if you except these movies are like three hours. <laughs> well, getting yeah, <laughs> approaching Lord of the Rings. They had territory. plenty of time to do more with Phasma. They didn't do it. Yeah, I mean, she could have been in it. Yeah, in some of the earlier scenes. Yeah, I. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the careful characters woefully underused. Um, I would also kind of like to see a scene in the next film with. Her and Hugs and <laughs> Kylo, Hugs. like, like really being a cohesive unit and deploying stormtroopers into battle and using some tactical things. L- let let us see the First Order as a well-oiled machine, and and those three who are kind of the head of the first order really like showing how powerful they can be before the rebels swoop in and win the day, you know, that's what I'd like to see. That'd be cool. And I would, I would totally be down to see or, or if anything, seeing if depending on how they decide to go it, even if, even if they're not necessarily cohesive, like maybe Phasma is more in one corner than the other. So maybe it's like Phasma and Hux versus Kylo or something. Sure. You know? No, but, I, uh, but, Phasma's in but her I own think corner. You're, to an extent, you're probably right. Like, she sold in, out the First Order's base when her personal life, if she was really a, as patriotic as people might consider her to be, she would have like, no, just kill yeah. me now. Yes, and you make actually a really good point that Phasma, at least so far from the comics and the book, what I've read, and I'm not all the way, I'm not finished yet, but Phasma is definitely, her number one concern is Phasma. Like, her survival is paramount above everything else. So, to yeah, to an extent you're right, but she could, as John is suggesting, she could theoretically, you know, choose to back or support one or the other of Kylo or Hux if she thinks it's going to benefit her. Well, let's think about that real quick. So that was like the one character trait I got from her in The Force Awakens. She's all about Phasma. Mm-hmm. You just uh, clarified that with stuff from the supporting material. Yeah. Yeah. Kylo, this uber-powerful force user, is now the supreme leader. He's unstable. Hux is afraid of him. He wants it all to end, right? He wants it all to end. Even the stuff he can control. Yeah. Yeah, but I think think after what happened in The Last Jedi, he's just going to be on the warpath to end them first. Just because of his public humiliation that way. Sure. (laughs) But, uh... So I if, if we if they do go that route with Phasma, I I could totally see her backing Kylo publicly, I guess. Playing the two off Playing of the each t- other. Yeah, but like she would publicly be on Kylo's side just because I mean this has got a lightsaber and he can snap my neck with his mind if he wants. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's also, a good point. Also with a she would uh, go ahead. She would side where the power is. Exactly. She, she comes up as yeah. one of those. Um. Also, I mean, just kudos to Ryan Johnson on making me kind of interested in a character like Hux. I am very interested in seeing what 
the dynamic is going to be. Because you got a hint of that. The last sneer, the last hateful sneer he yeah. gave Kylo at the end of the film, the last time you see him. It's like, I, there's this whole, I freaking told you, man, don't let your personal baggage get in the way. And what happens? Right. We had them cornered and you let them escape. That's what happened. <laughs> so I, I am, you know, I am just so curious to see what happens with Hux. Because I know that's going to be, that should be a thing in the next one. I don't know if JJ will drop it, but I, I would hope not. Because all these... I mean, other than what, Thrawn and maybe, you know, the the, the Rebels Imperial characters, uh, other than Thrawn, uh, Price, maybe Tarkin. Yeah, Tarkin for sure. You don't really get attached to any of these, like, officer type of characters. They're cannon yeah. fodder. You, like, you're, you're just expecting them to get force choked and then get replaced after a bad, bad <laughs> joke. So I don't know. There, there are a few that have... Uh followings on if you enter Twitterverse, it's kind of hilarious. Um, yeah, but I mean, but anyway, c- come anyway, on, come yes. on, you know what I mean? Yes, for the most part, yes. There's oh, Krennic, I forgot Krennic. Oh, yeah, Kren- <laughs> our favorite. God, I love Krennic. Yeah, Krennic's cool. The Broiler <laughs> Garrison! Yeah. Are you blind? Are we blind? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, what's not to love? Um, yeah. So how how do you? Um, and I think we've kind of touched on this before, but um, you guys were both happy with with Rose's character and her introduction and handling. I guess I, I like Rose story. She's a quirky fangirl type of character. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, well, she's the fangirl. Like, I don't know why people could hate someone that's so happy, you know? <laughs> it's like, like, come on, man. <laughs> she's just doing her thing. Like, right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, I have no problems with Rose either. I think she's a very lovable character, you know, and I, and I, I, I like that they're trying to, you know, show her affection for Finn and that it doesn't appear that that's being returned the same way. Uh, but he does care for her because he drags her knocked out body across the <laughs> salt fields. Salt and, flats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And into the base. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think she's, she's a, a wonderful addition to this, to this cast and to the, the storyline. And I'm looking forward to her in the next film, too. I, th- I think she's got opportunity to really kind of blossom in the next film. Yeah. And become I think you're right. a, an even bigger part of the story and a bigger part of, of the mythology of Star Wars. And I, I love that, you know, here's another strong, self-reliant female character that we're introduced to. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I agree. I think I think Rose's character here like as an introduction, I think it's good because she's got a lot of passion and enthusiasm and energy, but I think what's really going to be even more interesting is where her character goes in episode 9 and how she evolves in the resistance now because like she starts out 
And she's basically like a grunt, you know, mechanic working behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, supporting her sister who's who's on one of the bombers. And now she's she's basically like, you know, she was enamored of Finn and his role in escaping the First Order and helping destroy Starkiller base. But now she has kind of moved into that role of assuming a leadership position. I mean, when they get to Crate, who does Poe turn to to like get, you know, he's, you know, what's the inventory? How are our munitions? What do we have? What can we do? And, you know, Rose is the one that's got that information. You know, she's given that to Poe. So now she's kind of step, you know, she's moved from the shadows into the forefront now to be one of those leaders of the resistance. So. And it's another big theme in The Last Jedi. Anybody can be a somebody. Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. You know, from Ray Nobody to anonymous First Order Stormtrooper to mechanic. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, you don't have to. And I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, anybody, I think, I think this is just, you know, kind of one of the overarching themes. And one of the themes that we can remember in real life, too, is that you don't have to be famous to make a difference. You can start, you know, it's going to sound corny as hell, but you are the change you want to see. So if you want somebody to change your actions, you know, your responsibilities, that's going to help bring about change. Oh, and I think, too, that that it's also another aspect of this is that no matter where you are in uh, in a time that's tumultuous, you can be pulled in to the main battle. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're a nobody from a nowhere planet or, or a, hot a, shot pilot. a mechanic or, yeah, or, or, or a mechanic or, or <coughs> a nerf herder, whatever, you know, <laughs> you can be pulled into good. action and, and you can be thrust into a role that is going to test everything inside you. And, uh, you know, it was cool to see her transformation from being, first of all, the heartbroken person who's mourning her sister to mm-hmm. the, oh, my God, I'm starstruck. Here's one of the heroes of the of everything I believe in to wait a minute. You're trying to escape and it's my job to do my job. To, <laughs> oh my God, we just came up with an idea how to save the day. To, oh my God, <laughs> the guy who I'm enamored with is trying to kill himself. I got to save him. I mean, that's that's just a cool, just just saying it like that. I like the way you put it, it down it like shows, that, man. That's yeah. She did a lot. Uh, it shows. It shows that she's got all these layers inside her and that she's complex and, and she may seem like a puppy dog and all, you know, tail wagging through the whole thing, but she's, she's got layers and she's complex and she's, she's got some growth herself. And, and, um, and and here she is thrust, thrust into the big battle and, you know, she comes out as a hero of that battle. And let us not forget her arguably her biggest uh influence or her biggest achievement is recruiting this potential Jedi into the right side of things, to the resistance, to the rebels. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally. The yeah. little, the little, little act of, hey, you want to help me out? Here's the decoder ring. Here's hope. Here's some yeah. hope for you. Here's some hope. Yep. Yeah. Your actions can help me and my friend do something bigger. Boom. And that's what it's all about. Yep. Yeah. Inspiring the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful, Adrian. <laughs> oh, God. But a really good point because I think, you know, Rose kind of sees herself as a nobody. What, you know, you know, she's not the leader. She's just a worker. She's not, you know, she's not the face of the resistance. But here she is out in the galaxy. She doesn't even have a blaster. She has a taser. Yeah, you know, know, but here she is out in the galaxy giving hope to others who don't have hope. Um, She was a somebody to that kid. Yeah. And, you know, her actions and Finn's actions, that's what's going to help, you know, create those ripples and bring in more people to support the rebellion, the resistance. So I'm, I'm saying this now. I do not, I repeat, do not want a stupid love triangle with her, Ray, and Finn <laughs> in episode nine. Oh, good Lord, no. No. What about a love quadrangle no, with no, Poe? No, no, no. Ray don't need no man. Poe's gonna end up with Billy Lord, and <laughs> and uh, I could get behind that. I could get behind. Uh, yeah, yeah. We called what? What we? The ship name was Hooked on Phonics, I think. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. No. Kudos. Finn, Finn and Rose don't need to end up together. I'd like that. They don't need to. But that's it. No, no low triangle, no love hexagon, no none of this none of this nonsense, please. I'm with you. Not in my Star Wars. <laughs> Save that for Game of Wars. Game of Stars. Star Wars. Game of Star uh, Wars. No. <laughs> Stars of Thrones? What? Stars of Thrones. Yeah. <coughs> Ooh, now I'm trying to think what the theme would sound like. Trying to mesh up Game of Thrones along with the Star Wars theme. Uh, uh, I'll let you. <laughs> it sounded like E.T. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, what do you guys say we start wrapping up? I say we start wrapping up. Uh, Adrian, tell the good people where they can find us. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Force Fan Podcast. And they can find me specifically on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Lab Pro. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cat Ray. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at That John Fred. And on my Facebook page, John K. Frederick. That's going to do it for another great episode, folks. We're uh, we're looking forward to putting a wrap on our last Jedi talk. Well, of course, it won't be the final wrap. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking about the last Jedi for years to come. Uh, looking forward to uh, delving into the last portion of Star Wars Rebels, and mm-hmm. super excited about the new upcoming solo film. Solo A Star Wars Story. Totally, totally excited for that. And as for us, uh, we are fans of the Force, Force Fan Podcast. We are the Force, and so are you. May the Force be with you. Bye, everybody. Bye.
Afra? Afra, yeah. Afra. I don't know. Just say that. Afra. 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 Afra can. Afra. Scoundrel by Afra. <laughs>